Welcome to the Preacher's Podcast. A new church year is beginning, and with it, the season of Advent. Today, we're beginning a new series called Come, Lord Jesus. We're beginning this new church year really with the end in mind. You could capitalize the E in the word end there. Jesus' return in glory is the Advent that for us is yet to come. It will be an Advent in power as Jesus and his angels arrive and the world will be consumed by fire. Given that, why would we say, come Lord Jesus? Because he has arrived once already. He has come to share our flesh and blood, and he has redeemed us. He comes to us with his grace and forgiveness in his word and in his sacraments. And so now when we pray, come Lord Jesus, thinking of even his final glorious advent, we pray with confidence because Jesus has prepared us to meet him again. And in this series, we'll be thinking of our Savior's Advent from four angles as the weeks go by. Come, Lord Jesus, is our overall theme. Come, Lord Jesus, as King, as Judge, as Messiah, and as Emmanuel. I'm John Mitchell from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. Let's meet our preachers for this series. Uh, First is Pastor Joel Heckendorf, who serves Light of the Valleys Lutheran Church in Reno, Nevada. And also with us is Pastor John Scharf, who serves Abiding Grace Lutheran Church in Covington, Georgia. Joel and John, thanks for being with us for this Advent season. Um, Joel Heckendorf, let's go to you first. Get us started, if you would, by just talking a little bit about the theme for this Sunday, Come Lord Jesus as King. Sure. Uh, Thanks, John. Just a few things maybe jumped off at me is even the, the first part of the theme or the overall theme, come Lord Jesus, I think what's going to resonate in our people's minds is the common table prayer. You know, how often don't we say, come Lord Jesus? And, and even to add to that, be our guest. But now we're seeing him in all these various roles. As far as this particular week with come Lord Jesus as our king, there's an automatic tie-in as we're shifting into a new season, but it ties in so well to uh, the, the last Sunday of the church year, Christ the King. So I think to make that bridge is, is going to be an important or valuable thing for our listeners or even for our own personal studies. Um, but, and yet the, the contrast between last week, looking at Christ as King, ruling all things, sitting on the throne, singing, crown him with many crowns, and there is a higher throne, but, but now as we're in this preparation season, um, even though most of our themes will, will focus again on Jesus' power, Jesus' second coming, I think our, our people are preparing to celebrate his first coming. So the images of a manger, a baby, etc., don't portray that, that royalty of come Jesus as our king. So this, this theme in particular reminds us to keep in mind the big picture and, and see the extent of Jesus' love that, of what he was willing to set aside. So those are, I guess, some yeah, initial thoughts that I had on the theme. Great. Yeah. Yeah. That's helpful. Just kind of setting up for us um, the emphasis for this particular Sunday, um, what to steer toward as we explain it to people and, and uh, fill them in on how things hang together. Um, John Scharf, let's go to you next. We'll be focusing on the first reading as our sermon text this week, 
Um, could you show us how that relates to the second reading and the gospel and maybe focus on those two since we'll be coming back to the first reading as the sermon text and, uh, and throw in any thoughts about how all the readings relate to each other? Absolutely. So, I mean, you mentioned it, we're, we're beginning the year with the end in sight. So the gospel is always going to be the reading that is setting the theme of the day. Uh, and even, even today, I think you look at the hymn of the day, um, you know, imploring the savior of the nations to come and then kind of telling that story from his birth to ascension to eternity. As we begin this church year and we have um, this, this longing, looking forward to sense of, of Advent, uh, today we really get to see what it's all about, right? So uh, the gospel uh, shows our king coming into his city to accomplish his work. You know, the crowds point us to the work, right? Hosanna, save us. They're calling out to the one coming in the name of the Lord, the, the one God sent to save them. And then they ask, who is this? But only get a partial answer, right? The, it's the prophet from Nazareth. Yes, the prophet, but also the great high priest who is entering into Jerusalem to make his sacrifice. And, and the king, the one prophesied by Zechariah to come gentle and riding on a donkey. So, so the gospel is where this whole king idea is really coming from on, on this Sunday. And then the second reading, as it does so often, talks about what that king coming means for our lives. You know, you've got Philippians 4, this uh, beautiful encouragement from pr prisoner Paul to rejoice it's worth saying it twice. Rejoice. Why? Because the king is near. He's coming soon, yes, but he's also near now, which means we don't have to be anxious because we have the privilege of prayer and the attitude of gratitude to, to that king. And thinking like that means the peace of God is guarding our hearts and minds. So, so this king makes a difference in our lives, and we can rejoice in the Lord always. So you've got the gospel, the king comes, and here's what it's all about. Uh, the first reading, his coming will transform the world. That's the one we're going to be focusing on. The second reading, his coming changes our lives right now. And you could throw the psalm in there. You know, Psalm 24 prophesies Palm Sunday as the gates of Jerusalem lift up their heads to see the King of glory coming in, which also gives us some, some great hymnody for, for this Sunday. At first, I wasn't really sure about the whole Palm Sunday story starting the church year, but you can probably tell it's grown on me. It's just a really cool set of readings we have today. And, and maybe just to kind of tag on to what Joel just said, when you think of the themes of the next three Sundays, um, come Lord Jesus, uh, you want to save the thunder for the specific themes. You know, this week it's King, next week it's Judge, then Messiah, then Emmanuel. I think as I was working through this text study, I found myself wanting to to jump to that judge theme a little bit too strongly and had to, had to pull myself back uh, and save it. So when we're thinking about how all these all tie together, you know, the king is coming um, and, and that changes things for us. Yeah, thank you. That helpful reminders from both of you yeah, to um, plan ahead and uh, zero in on one particular image each week. Um, you don't want to uh, get too much into the judge imagery yet, um, that'll be coming and so forth. If I could just uh, add a note here too, um, that uh, preachers will notice that you've got two gospel options for Advent 1 and two uh, for the last Sunday in the church year too. So this is something to think ahead and plan out. Um, 
Yeah, it works well to do last Sunday, the church year as Christ the King, and then you can do Advent 1. The primary choice being suggested is the triumphal entry reading, so that has the, the King theme coming across too. There are also other options for Jesus' kind of final Advent at the end of time, and there's that option, if I'm remembering correctly, for the last Sunday in the church year, if you want to do that, and for the first Sunday in Advent. So I know, John, you worked with the scripture committee on the lectionary, so you can correct me if I'm wrong, but preachers, I think, will just want to plan ahead. You know, do you want the king theme uh, last Sunday of the church year and then reinforce that with the triumphal entry, or do you want to use the alternate readings for one of those Sundays? Do I have that right? Do you just kind of just want to think ahead what you want to do? So maybe to to that, so there's a note in the uh, commentary on the propers uh, that kind of explains this, you know, so if, if the primary proper is used on the last Sunday of the church year, which is Christ's second coming, you'd more likely use the primary proper this week, which is the triumphal entry. If the alternate was used last week, which is Christ the King, uh, the suggestion is to use Christ's second coming this time. And I think part of that is, is to avoid a little bit of that overlap of the, the king picture. But I think Joel made a great point that you could actually use that too. Um, so the, the suggestion is to do the alternate, but um, a preacher might, might find good reason to say, you know what, I, I really want to highlight this king and make that transition from the end to the beginning of the church year, because it is this, this beautiful cycle that you know, we, we work through uh, every year through these themes. Right, right. Yeah, I think just the, uh, the thing to watch out for, and I could see myself doing this easily, is I plan up through the last Sunday of the church year, get that all set, and then I turn the page and start Advent planning. I'm like, wait, wait a second, I think I just dealt with the same theme. So you just want to work ahead, see how these themes work together. There's a number of ways you could do it, but um, yeah, just wanted to make note of that so preachers can be aware of that in their planning. Uh, well, let's get into the, the sermon text for the day. Isaiah chapter 2, 1 through 5 is the text before us. Um, Joel, um, let's go back to you as we start thinking about that first reading for this Sunday. So we're assuming at this point preachers have done their own text study. Um, what are some points that you took note of as you took a look at this text? Um, highlight anything that comes to mind. Um, yeah, just to, to get the wheels turning a little bit. Well, I, I did the wrong text study. I was doing Micah for, which actually is the same thing. <laughs> but no, no, no but, but I, I did notice that in my text study that Isaiah 2 and Micah 4 are almost identical. And, and so that was one thing that I, I found curious. But it, the fact that it gets repeated almost verbatim I, I was something mm -hmm. to explore. And, and I think it just adds to what Advent means, the anticipation, you know, someone's something or someone is coming. And, and when, we're, when we're looking for someone who's going to come, whether it's a king, whether it's whatever, you know, oh, yep, it, someone's coming, someone's coming, someone's coming, someone's coming. And so whether it's Isaiah saying it or whether it's Micah saying it or whether um, it's any of the, the prophets or just the anticipatory attitude of, of God's Old Testament people is something to really bring out here so if you can bring hey this was so important that they kept on saying it right is is something i would probably start with or or look at and and look at the context of isaiah 2 and and micah 4 why why the exact verbiage 
Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as Isaiah, Isaiah 2, I, I think even before picking apart some of the, the, uh, the Hebrew words here is just to, to look at where it fits in context, how it, how it goes from Isaiah 1, which is all about this rebellious nation, and, um, and then it's just a, an abrupt, abrupt change to Isaiah 2, uh, the, the, you know, the antidote of, of Isaiah 1. And, and any, you know, to keep in mind, uh, I just had that conversation with, with someone recently who was so insistent on making sure we preach 100% law and 100% gospel. Uh, so that they both are augmented, and and you really see Isaiah one and two do that. It's there's hundred percent law, um, and but then a hundred percent gospel uh, that that works so well together. Um, as far as the text itself, I I think my eyes automatically are drawn to that picture of of the mountain of the Lord. I think that's where we're. I would imagine that's where most of our discussion will go today or as you sit down and, and work through this, this text study and uh, knowing that you guys are brighter than me, I'll let you guys probably discuss that concept, Mountain of the Lord, more. But um, I, I think the one thing that struck me in that first verse is just the opening verb, that, that Chazah, that Isaiah saw the word. And, and I think that's, that's that's an interesting word. I, I think I've in, in a little bit of my text study, it's got this idea of, you know, it's not just an in, you know, oh yeah, I glanced over there. Um, but it's, it has this idea of I I, I usually use uh the, the TWOT, the theological word book of the old testament, is one of my sources. And you know, and it, it had in there like the the idea of of exalted, um exalted looking, and then I that just caught my eye when you hear the word exalted and we're talking about come Lord Jesus as our King. And so a very Royal, Royal word, um, adding to the transcendent idea and the, of, of what's happening here and, and the beauty of verbal inspiration, um, that this isn't Isaiah's word, but you know, he saw the word is we're just some of the initial things that I saw in here. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You point out the Isaiah Micah connection here and uh, yeah, that is a neat way to, to introduce the importance of this or to highlight the importance of this. Uh, One of those sections that where Isaiah and Micah overlap um, and the Holy Spirit saw fit to give this same message, even some of the same words um, two different times from two different sources um, just highlights for us. Yeah. This is an important message to grab onto. Um, uh, John, let's go to you. Just uh, anything, especially in those early verses, you wanted to highlight or, or build on what uh, Joel has said? Yeah, can I just say uh, he took my answer, but uh, <laughs> I, I may go, may go a little more. I had, I had my notes of the things I wanted to highlight, and Joel just checked them all off. So, um, but yeah, you know, that, uh, uh, that, that mountain of the Lord, you know, the Mount Zion is what, 2100? feet tall, something like that. Uh, as mountains go, not all that impressive, but uh, it's going to be the, the head, the, the chief 
of, of the mountains, you know, more impressive than, than the Rockies or Rainier or Everest or Kilimanjaro, you know, all nations are going to flow to it. Everyone's going to be looking there. And really it's because of what happened there, right? I mean, this, this is the, the mountain um, on which uh, the temple is, right? People will say, come, let us go up uh, this mountain uh, and, and he will teach us from his paths and we'll go in his ways. Uh, and so, you know, you think of the sacrifices that are there. And, and of course, um, I guess I might be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. You know, there's uh, what specifically happened. You know, God God brought his lamb to temple and and sacrificed him there. And and with the, the Palm Sunday gospel uh, ringing in our ears, I mean, that I, I love the way, again, these texts work together that uh, um, Jesus is entering to to do that, to make that mountain the chief among all the mountains, not because it's, it's taller, um, but because it, it is preeminent. Um, so yeah, mountain of the Lord thing, the, uh, the gospel content here of Isaiah, you know, sometimes called the, the fifth evangelist, um, the, uh, uh, yeah, I, I had mentioned earlier, the, uh, picture of judging is, is next week, but you do have that, that word in there, right? And in, in, in verse uh, four, um, he, he's going to, or I guess actually in verse five, he will judge between the nations. Um, yeah. And decide for many peoples. So those were kind of the highlights of the, the text itself. Um, yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, so let's look at the mountain of the Lord. I think you expressed it well, John. Um, it's not because it's the tallest mountain, but what happened on that mountain was, in a sense, more important to the whole world um, than you know anything that happened on any other mountain. It was the place where the sacrifice was pictured, um, the sacrifices day after day that pointed ahead to Christ. Uh, you could point to you know the the ark, uh, God's presence dwelling there, so God coming to dwell with people. Um, the pictures of how to enter the presence of God. Um, well, it needed to be through blood. Um, and what happened on the Mount of the, uh, of the Lord illustrated that day after day. Um, so the relationship between God and his people being restored uh, through sacrifice, um, then expressing as some of the other sacrifices did, you know, our sacrifice of praise in response to that. So, yeah, I think that naturally draws our attention, the mountain of the Lord rising up, um, raised above the hills. Um, here's one other aspect I'll, I'll ask you guys about uh, that I, when I've worked with this text um, that has come to mind is an issue that we have to deal with with a lot of the prophets. And that is for uh, for them, they're looking ahead to the future to kind of the, the time of the Messiah uh, that we're living in now and the time of the Messiah's glorious advent, his final coming. And to them, it's kind of all in one, but we're living between those two. Um, so maybe um, I remember preaching on this text and kind of pointing that out too, that, okay, for Isaiah, he's just looking into the future and seeing Jesus and Jesus, um, the mountain of the Lord rising up when the Savior comes and when he comes again we might have to clarify that we're in between those two peaks. Any thoughts on that or how you explain the, uh, the perspective of Isaiah versus our perspective, uh, Joel? Well, uh, I, I think I have a distinct advantage and I'm totally offended, John, that you didn't mention the Sierra Nevadas as 
some of the glorious mountains, but, yes. uh, yeah. um, but I, I do have an advantage of, we live in a valley. <laughs> the name of our church is light of the valleys, but I think I will use that imagery that it doesn't matter what valley you're in. If you look that direction or that direction or that direction, that mountain's glorious, that mountain's glorious, that mountain's glorious. And in some ways, that that mountain top we all you know the mountain range prophecy that we always talk about each mountain is glorious in and of itself and and so you can you can look at oh yeah maybe i see a different side of this mountain versus that mountain but they're both really neat and 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 they they bring some beauty and they bring some awe and majesty um so i i think it's I would probably focus on the similarities of what Isaiah was looking for compared to what we're looking for, but still appreciate the, the various views of each mountain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would, uh, last time I preached on this text, I was living in Salt Lake City. So I right. could point out the, the window too and say, right. you know, the mountain peaks. And what, what I noticed is that you look at the mountains from a distance and you see just, um, just, just a bunch of mountain peaks but if you drive up into a canyon, right. now you see that, okay, what I thought were two peaks right close to each other are actually separated by a few miles. And, and so that kind of pictures our perspective. Whereas Isaiah had that, he's just looking at beautiful peaks off in the distance. Um, whereas we maybe see them individually a little more, or we want to think through each of the mountain peaks, the, each of the advents of Jesus individually, something right. like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that's something to mention too, and an illustration that of that mountain, uh, view that might help a little bit, or might help people sort through that, um, that I've found to be useful. Um, let's also talk about, uh, the, um, verse four and the concept of peace that comes through in this text. Um, they will beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks, um, how are you going to approach that in the sermon? Explaining what that is, maybe some application ideas, or explaining what Isaiah is talking about, and also maybe what he's not talking about here. Um, thoughts on that, uh, John? As you work through that, what are you thinking of doing in terms of explaining, applying that section? Sure, I, I think the picture itself, beating the swords into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks, is. Um, pretty straightforward, right? That the the implements of war will no longer be needed. It will be peace, right? Um, the, you don't need a sword, so might as well make something useful out of it. Same with the spear. Um, nation will not take up sword against nation. They won't train for war anymore uh, because the judgment of, of this king is, is final. Um, you know, he he says, you know, I was thinking of uh, uh, last week watching a, a football game and uh, the bad guys scored a touchdown and it was a, a big touchdown and uh, it would really change the game and they were celebrating and uh, I was watching and actually said yes out loud, um, not because they had scored the touchdown, but because I saw the little yellow hanky in the backfield. Uh, it was a, a holding call, right? Um, it was, you know, once the, the ref makes the call, there's no point in arguing that. Uh, so, I mean, the, 
the authority of this king, I guess, is highlighted here that when, um, when he settles those disputes for many peoples, um, there's, there's no point in arguing that anymore. There's no point in fighting. Um, the, the peace that we have to look forward to that he established by coming, but that we will have uh, on the last day when he comes, um, when he comes again. Great. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, uh, Joel? Yeah. I, well, I, I think the, the illustration is, or the contrast United Nations, you know, has this as their right, statue right. out in front. So that, that could be something that comes up. Um, but if we're, talking about Christ's first advent and maybe bringing in here again, not getting too far ahead of ourselves, but the, the message of the angels, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, that, that peace on earth to be able to tie that in and, and contrast it to, to uh, what most people would maybe be hoping for this time of year. And, and so I, I would use, yeah, I would use the, uh, the angelic message maybe to reinforce this yeah yeah i think that came to my mind too um and my thought you know preaching in advent especially these early sundays in advent was um i i do not want to jump ahead to christmas um yet but it is on everybody's minds um because we're kind of our culture is saturated with it so it's okay to make those connections and you know think of advent another purpose of advent is preparing for the celebration of Christ's incarnation and and so making those kind of Christmas connections I think is good that's so that that is an idea I had too um, how did God bring this peace well one way he did it was through the coming of his son in the flesh um, peace on earth between God and humanity is what Jesus worked um, and then you could also say that's one mountain peak then the other mountain peak is yet to come for us the, the total fulfillment realization of this piece um, is still coming too. Um, uh, I wanted to think just a little bit about law and gospel in the text. And um, <clears throat> Joel, I remember you said that a, a key to looking at Isaiah 2 is the preceding context where there's some really strong law. Um, is that where you guys are kind of going for more of the, the malady type thoughts, um, kind of setting up the context for this? Or are you going to take something from these verses and uh, kind of contrast it, uh, some of the gospel message and sort of contrast it, uh, John? Yeah, I think, you know, in, in these verses, we end with uh, that encouragement, come descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord, uh, you know, realizing what, uh, what his coming means that affects how we live. And so you've got that encouragement. And then uh, the context on both sides is important, right? Chapter one, they weren't doing it. Uh, and, and then chapter two, if you read the next verse, um, <laughs> but you, you have abandoned your people, you know, they're, they're full of superstitions. Uh, they practice divination. They're rich, bow down to the work of their hands. You know, a reminder that not everyone, uh, takes up that encouragement to walk in the light of the Lord. And, and we don't always live like Jesus is coming as King. Uh, you know, if we did, we would handle this, you know, coming month in a way that uh, might not show so much stress or frustration or busyness. And, and, and uh, yeah, I, I think we can make some of those applications that, uh, uh, okay. 
uh, walked in the light of the Lord as we're celebrating his coming in the, in the next few weeks, um, how is that going to look? Is it going to look like the uh, person who understands how this all plays out? Or is it going to look like the person who's looking to maybe some of the mountains that this world puts up uh, as more important? Um, so yeah, that just some of my thoughts. Great, great. Uh, Joel? Yeah, very, very similar uh, thoughts. I You mentioned before, uh, John, John Mitchell, as far as about, you know, the mountain of the Lord being in the presence of God. And, and so I would probably bring in very similar to what you guys shouldn't have the same first name, John Scharf said, <laughs> but, um, but you have the, you know, what does it mean that we're not walking in the light? That might be, you know, I'm not, I'm not living a life of Thanksgiving or I'm not um, maybe my daily life, but to also step back, what does it mean to be in the presence of the Lord is how does he come to us today is through his word and, and the peace found there in his word. And so the same, the same temptations to be caught up in the stresses and getting our shopping done and getting our, all these other things done. But, you know, maybe honing in on, on the balance here of, of like verse three, he will teach us his ways so that we can walk in his paths. And we our our malady, our law maybe is, it's both, right? We maybe aren't walking in his paths, but maybe we're not being taught his ways either. And and so I would see those as two potential areas to to maybe um, focus in on is where where we are sinning that God's word and and then our our life of sanctification that flows out of that are are both lacking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Um particular gospel emphases in this text i think we've we've touched on a number of them already um the the mountain of the lord concept well why is this important we've talked about yeah the sacrifice the presence of god this is foreshadowing jesus coming um we've talked about the gift of peace that we have um that you have vividly pictured with the yeah, beating the, the swords into plowshares um the god another gospel facet right is yet yeah, teaching us his ways um giving us a light where there was once darkness light that we can now and then more application thought we can now live in and walk in um anything further on uh guys working with ideas about how to present uh, the main theme of the text or how to bring across the main idea or let me maybe start with asking that what um what kind of main thought are you thinking of even if you don't have a theme in mind yet um What's kind of the main point you're making um, that you want to bring across from this text? Uh, John, thoughts? Yeah, so for the, the specific gospel, I'm, I'm working out how to tie this whole Sunday together in the proclamation of it, I think. I mean, so I think that mountain of the Lord, uh, what happened on that mountain of the Lord uh, is a key thought. And the fact that... Uh, um, you know, what Jesus entered in to do. So you get the, the Palm Sunday, the, the picture of our king as the, the one who humbled himself and submitted to the, you know, riding on a donkey, the thorns and flogging and nails and spear. And and then he was victorious, right? He, he rose from the dead uh, to 
finish the argument, right? That that judgment is final and, and there's no fighting anymore about that. There, there's peace. Um, so you've got that. I guess uh, it's not the, the theme that I've kind of been thinking about. Um, King Jesus is coming, so let's walk in the light. Uh, and so the gospel story of it would, would be his coming that that caused us to be able to walk in the light, to see the light, to be taught by him. Um, like I said, it's, it's uh, preliminary yet. So I'm eager to hear what Joel has to say because uh, it's probably better. Joel, I uh, can bail, bail John out here and give him a great theme. Well, then you have to nail, uh, you have to bail both of us out because I was leaning somewhere along the line. I I'd probably use, um, I mean, mountain of the Lord and, and yeah, that, Mountain Lord is where the Lord came to to hang. Uh, you know, I I was trying to work with some some of that imagery of of Jesus climbing that mountain, and then and then us climbing this mountain too um, to be in the Word. So I would probably just go with something like let let's climb let us climb the the mountain, um, and then you you use it off of because he climbed his and. Uh, so, but most of the same specific gospel points were right along with what, what John said, as far as, as what Jesus both did for us actively, um, you know, that he was in the word and then he, and then passively as he allowed himself to be sacrificed. Um, I, I think a little point that this wouldn't be the theme, but a, a sub point would be, uh, the the nations all nations coming here mm. that that would be where i would get into this is this is how you know it's for you um you know it's not just yeah verse five ends come descendants of jacob and we might think that's that's not me but that that we are all the nations streaming to it in in the, in the earlier verses uh that that that's where I, I fit into the story, so to speak, and, and get to see my savior, savior there. Yeah. And, and then, which fits the point. second advent too, when we talk about all nations sure. of uh, that, that Christ brings into uh, the new Jerusalem and Holy mountain. Right. Right. That is another gospel thought that is uh, there in the text in a couple places, the, the nations benefit from what the Lord is doing. Um, right. Yeah. I, I think I used it as a theme. I just took it right kind of out of the text. Let's go up to the mountain of the Lord and then explaining what that was. So uh, the mountain of the Lord kind of the first part is it has risen already. Um, you know, thinking about how Jesus came and there's where you can tie into the Palm Sunday gospel really naturally there too. Um, and Prior to that, you know, why we needed this first advent of the, the Savior. Um, and you could even point back to the, the there's without blood, there's no forgiveness and what happened on the mountain of the Lord in, in the Old Testament. And then, yeah, kind of getting into the, the future coming of Christ, uh, the mountain of the Lord will rise again. Um, yeah, so let's go up to the mountain of the Lord. Joel? Just a, a point to what you're saying there is, the last time I preached on it, which was, man, 21 years ago. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> the, uh, 
I had, yeah, climb the mountain of the Lord. My, my theme in parts, you know, shortly right there out of seminary where we're very uh, specified, you know, climb the mountain of the Lord, part one, where the word is preached, part two, where peace is found. Uh, but I, I do wonder if, while it breaks well into parts, if you want to use that, this idea of, of journeying, you know, can we build this sermon more as not as a point one, point two, point three, but do we take, do we arrange it in such a way to use that imagery? I'm going on a hike. I'm climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing until we get to the summit. And now look at this beautiful thing. And so I would, I would probably try to arrange my, my writing more as a, as a whole journey instead of, okay, now we're going to transition to part two, part three, or whatever sure. it is. No, Just I think use that, that imagery. Yeah, that could work well. Just so kind of a central image that ties everything together uh, that you use to kind of just help people walk through the text um, uh, and hit the, those high points that we mentioned. Um, yeah, I think that could work well. Uh, let us go up to the, let us climb the mountain of the Lord. Yeah, just a central image that leads you through. Um, that, I think that, yeah, that'd be a great way to approach it as well. Um, good. Well, any, any final thoughts, um, application, illustration, anything you were burning to say that I didn't give you a chance to say that you want to share? I'm, I'm not seeing you uh, wave your hands at me or anything. So, um, well, let's leave it there. I think we've given preachers a lot to talk about. I mean, this is one of those texts, as with many in Isaiah, um, it, the, the difficulty is not, what am I going to say? It's, there are, there's so many beautiful images here, mountain of the Lord and the, these peace images and walking in the light that you might have to kind of concentrate your thoughts on, on a couple of those, um, but all beautiful gospel images um, in, an, in a context where people were, um, some were needing the rebuke of the law, and then there was this remnant who was struggling to stay faithful to the Lord that these verses would have come as a beautiful encouragement to. So um, God bless you preachers as you keep on working through this text. And as you compose your sermons, um, the spirit guide you as you proclaim the word.